Hey, everybody. Thank you, as always, for downloading The Tully Show. Quickly, before we get to this week's episode, I have uh, It's not a small favor to ask you, but it is a favor nonetheless. Could you please... Stop what you're doing for a second. Go to survey.libsyn.com slash Tully Show. There is a survey there for listeners to the show. I'm not going to lie. I think it's pretty long. I think it's pretty boring. But if you do this one thing for me, I will. Um, if I see you in real life and you can hold me to this, I will give you a lap dance. One more time. Survey.libsyn.com. Survey.libsyn.com slash Tully Show. And now, without any further ado. Okay, you ready to start this show? <laughs> Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a man you have seen on such hit TV shows as Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was a writer on Parks and Rec and one of my personal favorites, The Kroll Show. And most importantly, he has just released Joe Mandy's award-winning comedy special on Netflix. I am speaking, of course... Of Joe Mandy, how's it going? Uh, good. What's up? Thank you for coming by, and congratulations on uh, on the special. Thank you. Yeah, I'm psyched. How long ago did you tape it? We taped it in January. Uh, I would say I think it was like a week and a half before the inauguration. It was a weird weird vibe all around <laughs> in New York. I know a guy who taped a special a, three days after the election. Yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah, it's good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool vibe. I just remember that being like a fun time. Everyone was super chill. Yeah, it was definitely, it was a period of optimism. It seemed like anything was possible in America. Yeah. Things, uh, well, I guess in, in a certain way, a lot of things we never thought were possible all of a sudden yeah. did seem possible. Right. Optim- optimism, maybe. Um, a whole different story. Now, it, it, I'm, ima- I'm imagining you put out a special, and the idea is that's going to increase the demand for you to do stand-up dates, but weirdly people don't want you to do the jokes that they saw in the special. Yeah. So you put out the special, and then it becomes this sprint to write like a new hour. Yeah, and that's impossible for me right now. I mean, I, I was the moment I got back from New York after the taping, I started work writing for The Good Place, and we just wrapped uh, this week. So I've ha- I've just been stuck in a writer's room, and I've you know I'll go out and do stand up like maybe once or twice a week just so I don't like atrophy. But I'm not like writing a fresh new hour quite yet, so I'm a little freaked out. <laughs> I have yeah. like uh yeah I have some dates booked in August that I'm like okay well we'll see how this goes. Yeah, you just do a bunch of crowd work. You'll yeah, be fine. I'll be fine. In terms of like the amount of hours that you put into your work. Are are uh, practically speaking, are you more of a writer or more of a comedian? It split. I mean, like right now, I I would say I, I like split my time. It's it's roughly about six months of the year writing, and then six months of the year. That's good. Doing stand. That sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to meet you. I enjoyed your special, and Thank I've you. been sort of uh, keeping tabs on your work for a while. And here's here's why I want to meet you because I don't totally get what your deal is. <laughs> okay. But I'm pretty sure that I like it. Great. So I guess my first real question is, Joe Manny, what is your deal? I wish I I knew. I don't. I mean, like, what, what's my c- comedic deal, or yeah. like, what's my? Damage? What does your agent? What does your agent tell people? Oh, we'll do damage next. But what <laughs> what what does your agent tell people? Oh, you got to get Joe. He's. Um, I mean, I've been described. I I hate this description, but I've been described as a, a rascal, which I think fits. Like, I just kind of. Stir things up. You're yeah. a rascally? Yeah. I have not heard that adjective yeah. apply. You know who describes himself as a rascal? Who's that? And you're a sports fan, right? Yeah. Al Michaels. Okay. Refers to himself sure. privately as... I don't see it, but no, well, I, I, apparently but maybe. We, we don't know what he gets right. up to when he's not exactly. on Monday Night Football. Yeah. He, calls himself, he calls himself the rascal. Right. Okay. That's cool. Is it because he is on a rascal scooter? <laughs> not quite yet. How okay. dare you? I'm sorry. I mean... <laughs> 
his his voice is getting a little bit weird. Yeah. None of us are supposed to talk about yeah, that no, let's not because talk about he is he's a legend. I think the thing that he did the most rascally thing I can recall from his book, which I read for God knows what reason, is that he was staying in a hotel adjacent to the suite where Al Gore had conceded the election. Woof! And the rascal kicked into gear uh-huh. and stole the phone. Okay. So if you're looking for that Smithsonian. Yeah. yeah. Stole the phone after the, or before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, no, no, no. Months afterwards. Okay. Perhaps years. Okay. It's yeah. not that. It's, I don't, it's just a kind of an inconvenience for the hotel. They got to like yeah. go put Get in a, a new phone. And they probably have a stack yeah. of them downstairs. Yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> so it seems like there's a lot of um, high concept stuff that you do. Is that is that fair to say? Sure. I would say that. Yeah. Your website. Is yeah. high concept. Yeah. And you're you you maybe you have one of the few high concept Twitters. Sure. In a way. Kind of. I mean in a, a little bit. But my album as well was like a hip hop mixtape. I really committed to that. Yes. Yeah. So what I is see what, you're saying. what is your uh your beef with the what is it called? The American Humor Award? Is that even a real thing? It's not a real thing. Okay. Yeah, I made it up. Um mm-hmm. no I I I think like every year around the Emmys, I get kind of worked up just because like the whole notion of awards is quite dumb to me. But you also everyone wants an award. But like for something as subjective as comedy, it's so silly to me that like you can give a trophy to one comedic actor over another. You know, it's just like well, okay, how are we judging this? You know, well, except for I almost prefer the most cynical ones. Like, for example, getting a Billboard award is just saying you sold the most right. albums. It doesn't make you the that best. That makes but, sense to me. Right. That's a that's a quantifiable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah You yeah. sold the most albums, you get a trophy. Right, like, but I, I totally yeah, get that. my issue. Like, is I've always complained about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, what? How? Who? Who? The, who fucking says? Right. And, and and it's embarrassing to me that acts want. To be in there, totally. Because somebody made, but you want a you, you want yeah. glory, uh-huh. even if you know that it's meaningless. You yeah, know? you have been around TV people, I'm sure, who were yeah. in in the running for sure. Emmys and whatnot. Yeah. Have you witnessed people actually taking that garbage seriously? Um, I've only sort of been around people who have not. You know what I mean? Who like knew going in, I, I'm not going to win this. So mm-hmm. like um, you're you're like your your show is the one that's like the token nomination to show that the old right. people get it. I remember the last seasons last season of Parks and Rec, um, we were nominated for best comedy show, and um, I think there was a little bit of optimism amongst the cast, like maybe this is the year, like we it's our last year, maybe we'll get like a farewell thing, and then I I heard that Offerman at the Emmys was like, um, if we win, I'll pull my dick out. <laughs> like that's how confident he was. Uh, we weren't going to win. Or maybe he just wanted to pull his dick out. His dick remained yeah, sheathed, unfortunately. I gather. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the special, but I'm, I'm a little bit curious about the whole TV writing thing. Um, how is the day-to-day life and work of a TV writer like different from what people would expect it is? Um, I think people's vision of what a TV writer does is pretty accurate. Like, I think most people assume... We just like sit on couches and like eat junk food and like spew a bunch of bad jokes. Like, I mean, it's like that's pretty accurate. The only inaccurate thing I get a lot is like, what character do you write for? That's like a very basic question someone will ask you at like a party when they find out you write for a TV show. And oh, it's that's like, adorable. Yeah. Like, they think everybody has a little buddy. Or, yeah, like, like especially when I worked at Parks and Rec because I listened to hip hop and I like, I go, I used to go on the road with Aziz. Everyone just assumed, like, oh, you write for Tom Haverford. And I was like, well, no, it, we, we all write for everyone. Yeah. You know, I see similarities between both you as a person and you as a stand-up and uh-huh. Aziz, and I guess it... I could, I could see that, yeah. I mean, and certainly I got a lot of jokes in for Tom's character, you know, Tom Haverford, but, like, the same could be said for... You know, that's that's yeah. part of the job is, like, being right. versatile enough to write jokes in different voices. Sure, sure, sure. Here's, yeah. like, a really dumb question. You put... How many writers on a show like Parks and Rec? Parks and Rec was about, by the end, about, like, 14, I think. Okay, so you put yeah. 14 people in the room, and these are all hand-picked, cherry-picked people because mm. these are really, really fucking hilarious people. Mm. And then you you put your heads together and you write and rewrite a 23-minute episode. How much funny shit doesn't make it in? Because that's only like a minute and a half per dude yeah, or lady. Yeah, it's brutal. Especially for Parks specifically was really brutal because we um, 
we had so many funny people and so many good jokes and scripts and at the same time we had always we had an a b and c story meaning we had three storylines going on yeah in every episode so to cut it all down to 22 and a half minutes like for the stories to make sense ultimately lots of very funny stuff would would end up not airing and it you would drive up, you it would make you so sad you know because like right. it would make like it's so hard to get a joke even on like to shoot a joke like to get it as far as to like it's on set we're shooting this and then you know the first the first cut is always about like eight minutes over and then mm-hmm. like it's the showrunner and the editor's job to like cut seven and a half minutes whatever of like really funny stuff out it's it's brutal it makes me so sad thinking about it but we started doing a thing at parks where we had production cuts of episodes that would go online, mm-hmm. which would we would add like four minutes of funny stuff back in, which is like yeah. it's kind of nice knowing that like at least exists somewhere. Well, know? and that's probably how it will how it will live on. I was going to say mm. it's a shame it sounded like you just missed the Netflixization of you can just do however long makes sense, but it sounds like in a way you actually were cutting edge of that sort. I of thing. will say, I mean, it's. I've worked on some of those shows as well, like Netflix streaming type shows. And like it really, it's nice to come from a school like network TV where like, even when I wrote for master of none, I think those guys did a good job of like restraining themselves. Like every episode is around 25 minutes. There's here and there. They they got a little indulgent on certain episodes, but like for the most part, like the better streaming shows are the ones that still sort of have some discipline when it comes to editing and knowing how long people want to sit and watch something. Sure. Yeah. Wet Hot American Summer would have been a better... I love Wet Hot American... Did you work on that? I did not. Okay, no. good. Well, fuck it. Um, it, it uh, the, the episode sometimes... And, and uh, Arrested Development was uh-huh. especially yeah. guilty of that. I think right. everybody would... would Because uh, you're just given... All the li- I, yeah. like, I could see it going the other way too. You you're, you've been writing network TV for years. Suddenly, you just have you're free. All yeah, you're completely free. Um, but yeah, I think it's nice to have someone there to be like, we should cut, right to make this just cut it. Cut. It. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I've been aware of that. The bit that I was not aware of, which I'm sure you are well aware of, is the fact that you've got to hit a a very specific time. Like if if you've got a twenty three minute show, it's mm. not just like hey, it's twenty three no, twelve it's... this week. It's twenty three goddamn minutes and zero fucking right. seconds. And like the show I write for right now, the Good Place is like essentially a science fiction show, and so and it's um it's very like bingeable, but it's so crazy. Like the, every episode ends on a like a, like Lost like ends on a cliffhanger that like we don't have the luxury of doing the like previously on because we need we don't have time to just devote a minute and a half of every episode to like catching people up. We just hope people are watching or yeah. we'll binge it later. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Unlike game of Thrones, which seems to feel like I yeah, have three or four, can, three or four minutes to kill. They to can do the start of every single yeah, that, they, episode. <laughs> they can literally do whatever they want. Um, so, uh, so you're special. Yeah. Um, you didn't need to get all dressed up for it. No. Um, and you didn't No. you, it looks like you're like, it's like moving day. Yeah, I mean, it. Someone was like, "You're wearing like Sears khakis and a sweatshirt," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, they're nice khakis and a nice sweatshirt." Was it a nice sweatshirt? Yeah, APC. I don't even know. What I don't know what that is either. I mean, how much? How much are we talking about for? It was uh, over a hundred dollars. I think. Isn't that so fucking funny? Yeah, we're all falling for it. Yeah, I'm wearing like a hundred and twenty dollar pair of jeans right now. There's, you know what they're yeah. a fucking pair of jeans. Yeah. I'm wearing. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I'm wearing. <laughs> $200 sneakers. Isn't that incredibly funny? Yeah. I'm the most basic dresser in the world, and I gather you're pretty much the yeah. same thing, but it's like this. Okay, well, actually, what I do is I'm a big outlet shopper. So oh, hell you, yeah. You can assume that everything I'm wearing is like is uh, 50 to 75% oh. off the, the list price, but all I've done is take it back down to what, like, a, like this white t shirt uh-huh. was, was like, uh, it was like $25 sure. reduced to like, Seven and so you know, but yeah. you're like, yeah, no, but I, but I'm, at one point, I'm smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I have the a sticker price of my outfit is about eight hundred dollars. Right. I have a sweatshirt, a Lacoste sweatshirt. Wow, it's like really ugly. It's bright blue, has a giant alligator on it, and I never wear it. But I'm, I, it was a hundred and thirty dollars originally, and I, they, there was a fuck up at the register, <gasps> and I got it for four dollars. So I was like, I'm never yeah. getting rid of this just because of like the vi- it's like a it, that in itself is a trophy. I yeah, you won. Yeah, you won. So so were you 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 were expecting to pay 130 dollars? No, until- I it was 
it was one of those things where like it just didn't say how much it was, uh-huh. and so I went. I just I was just curious, <gasps> and then I was like, oh is... man, and the, and that it, like it made my week. Uh, it's making my week. Yeah, and I wasn't even there. And the dipshit never has the common sense to go. Well, it says four dollars, but right. clearly that's she, ridiculous. Well, right, because she's like sixteen. Yeah. And it's summer, and she just wants to like yeah. hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she doesn't want to be there. And everybody's too good for their job nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, 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 uh, I've noticed that. Like, you watch old movies, and like delivery people used to consider what they did God's work. Yeah. And now, I had a guy, a guy come by to bring pizza. I had my son, a little kid, five year old kid, with me. And he, and he was like, "Hey, I got your pizza." And I was like, "Dad, I didn't order a pizza. You probably mean the neighbor." And he goes. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where we. I live. know what you're saying, that's but where I think, we live I think and his pizza sne- guys have always sort of been in maybe, that zone. Maybe and his sneakers were uh, were were nicer than mine are. Were they? I mean, they, they were ridiculous. Yeah. They were plain white. You'd never know it, but goddamn, I'm pretty sure. I've noticed though in L.A., people will live in like shanties, but have like uh, Teslas and nice. You know, it's just like like the. The car and their outfit, mm-hmm. but they don't focus on like li- living in a in a reasonable place, right? And I wonder where that goes because I have um I've met some I forget if it was a porn chick or an escort chick, but it was somebody who's dated the kind of guy who would have uh you know a hundred thousand dollar car and then would have a really amazing address. But right. they would actually have like a walk-in closet right. at that address. Yeah, it's and like I, it's a Cato Kalen sitch, right? Is like, that what he's? No, no I mean like yeah, he yeah, like lived in the like in the guest, guest house, house. Yeah. but you could say like I live at this address because right. technically he does. Right? But if all you care about is is make the impression that you're making on people, and you are going out with, es- well, I guess if you're going out with an escort, it doesn't matter so much what kind no, of home you're bringing no, them back doesn't. to. But a, a, a porn lady might care. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just a it's a weird world that we're living in. Um, but the reason why uh, I ask about your sweatshirt is, like, okay, I hope you get to make ten more stand-up yeah. specials. But like this, this could be your statement as a solo. Sure, it's possible. Yeah, I could, right. yeah, I could die you, in a plane crash. Who knows? I hope that doesn't happen. No, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm thinking, going along with. Yeah, I was more thinking of a scenario where you just don't get another huge. Oh, that special. I just like fizzle out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Which is, I, you know, right. it would be. I'm cooler. at my peak. I got. It. I'm at be, my peak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And and I mean, it's, someday that stand up special will be your last. Sure, I see what you're saying. Will be okay. your last stand up special, and. It's kind of again because I'm a sports guy. I'm like amazed that um, like all the facial hair has has come back and everything. Because uh-huh. remember when we were kids and you'd get a baseball card and the guy would have crazy yeah, facial right. hair and you'd be like, "Dude, you were in the goddamn NBA. Yeah, right. Clean yourself yeah. up. You look like a fucking monster. Yeah. You look like a sweaty, smelly monster." Right. And 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 I never thought that we would repeat that. And we're back. We are back in a yeah. in a major way. And it's funny uh, you say that, like, um. Because like I remember watching a lot of stand up as a kid, and it was mostly like kind of, from what I recall, a lot of like Jewish guys in ugly sweaters, and then suddenly like I'm basically that dude. I know you're, you know what I mean. Like I'm, I, I, I think the sweater's nice, but in 20 years, people are gonna be like, you're the 2017 yeah. version of that. I mean, all the, um, promotional material for the special, I'm, I am wearing a tuxedo, so at True. least it, I'm portraying it as if I'm, yeah. Classic bait and switch. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned in the special that you are often mistaken for. You seem like you are of indeterminate racial yeah, origin. It seems like it. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite race to be mistaken for? Uh, well, in the special, the the big like punchline is that my black friend admitted that she thought I was black, and I think that was like the ultimate. But the 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 most when I lived in Brooklyn. Like every, literally everyone thought I was Puerto Rican and it, uh, I went, I used to go to this hair, this like a barber shop at the end of my block and no one spoke English, but I, they kind of like figured out what my haircut situation was. And I went in there all the time just cause it was convenient. And then on my like 10th or 11th visit, the guy thinking like, well, you know, this guy's shy and we're not doing, he was like, I'm just going to hook him up. Like, I'm not going to charge him any extra and he like you know put the seat back without telling me what was going on, and then started putting like shaving cream on my head, and like got a 
straight razor and like Uh-oh. just sculpted my mm-hmm. hairline and my beard. It was like all, everything was angular, mm-hmm. and I came and like then I was like one thousand. I was I became Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I was I there. I was Puerto Rican. Start for about, making small talk about becoming the fifty first <laughs> yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. Twi- I was there. I was like that for about two weeks. It was. It was. Um, it was. Yeah. Just thinking back, it was just. Uh, just so many angles on my face, just sharp lines. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never really got that. I've never known the answer to the question. They always ask me, "What do I want? What? What? I don't even I tapered uh, in the back. Yeah, round it, round it, or like, tapered. What's the one? There's the one that's that's obviously what I do, and uh-huh. then there's the one that's obviously I think right. pretty clearly yeah. not me. Yeah, so yeah, how about yeah. you just how about you yeah, just take just that? Just give me the yeah. what you think I would want. Yeah, because yeah. I used to go get my hair cut at um at uh, the Astor Barber Shop, and uh-huh. it was just like the same. Thing. Yeah. It's just like I I don't know. I'm I am I'm, I'm pretty much asking for an eleven dollar Floby. Right? Do you guys? Yeah. Are you still capable of doing that? Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a real uh, turning point when all of a sudden there were barbers who did not own scissors. Yeah. And it's that's like, when oh, I was like, thank God. Yeah. And yeah. I've had a couple guys do it and actually amazingly pull it off. Right. Just go straight through with razors and, yeah, and check, check me out. Comb. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, uh, how'd you get Blake Griffin, Gr- Blake Griffin in your special? Uh, I've known him for a little bit. He actually um, did stand up a bunch last summer at the Montreal Comedy Festival. I saw that he did it once. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. um, we got lunch a couple times maybe just talking about stand I mean, it was like a, I don't know. We talked about stand up. Okay. How did you get, how did you actually meet him? Uh, he, he's like a comedy fan. He's, mm-hmm. he's around. I mean, he's friends with, uh, Neil Brennan as well. I mean, he's just like, uh, he's always at UCB. <laughs> he's like literally doing, he does more like improv now than I think I've ever done as an adult. Like he's, uh, he's just like, he's plugged in, you know? I don't know. So he, he would see you at something yeah. like that and he yeah. would just know who you are. Yeah, yeah. So then I, um, I hit him up about possibly doing a thing expecting him to say like absolutely not right wait, wait go backwards though but okay so now you go to lunch do you yeah. ask blake griffin to go to lunch or does he ask you well i did his show and then uh, I, I don't even know what do you mean you did his show he did a show he had a, he hosted a show last summer in yeah. montreal so i did a show a couple times okay so when it's i like, saw him doing stand-up that was him opening up yeah, the show okay. yeah he, yeah he really did uh, as somebody who did my first stand-up uh, spot like less than two years uh-huh. ago it's he really was he's good pretty solid like, for yeah I know like he's good. He's yeah. like a naturally mm-hmm. talented performer. Yeah, and it's really upsetting because this is like he's good. At, he could, if he committed to it, he could be a comic. And it's like, well, you're also a top fifteen NBA. Like, I can't go play basketball in the Greek league or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's it's just uh, it seems unfair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, right. He's good. He's good at a lot of things. And he's he acted well in your in he's your my thing. he's my favorite part of my whole special. He cracks me up. He uh he like I, I like bully him in the scene and he's very convincing. He like seems scared of me. I know. Yeah. Yeah, he seems reticent yeah. to confront you. Right. Which is uh which is pretty good acting. So your dad was a juvenile prosecutor. <laughs> yeah. Um at what point in your Youth or adolescence, did you realize that that was a an unusual job for a parent to have? Um, I used to, um, when I was a kid, like late, like in the middle of the night, I would sometimes like get up and get like a glass of water, and it would be like whatever two in the morning, and I would come downstairs, and my dad would be preparing for trial, and there would just be like crime scene photos like strewn all over our uh, living room, like our dining room table, like what, like like just blood and you know just chalk outlines and just and then he would like try to like cover them up as i was like walking back to get just a glass of water and i was like i don't think that's normal that your dad is up <laughs> like studying forensic pho- photography and where i know it's different than if he was like a cop but were your friends afraid of him did did it stunt you socially in any way to be have the dad who did that no i mean not until high school when um, I started meeting people who my dad had sort of, yeah, impacted their families' lives, you know. Oh, God. Like yeah. what? Uh, like a guy once came up to me and was like, your dad put my cousin in prison. And I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, yeah, he sucks. Fuck that guy. Trying to get, like, on that dude's side. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, no, yeah. oh it's, uh, that's the yeah. easiest one when you're a kid to right. throw your parents under yeah, the bus. Totally. Yeah, and, and you actually probably really mean it at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when you're, like, 14, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of switched. Oh, he wasn't, um, by the time I was, like, a, 
by the time I was in high school, he had sort of switched departments anyway. So he was not putting it was it wasn't like a juvenile prosecutor anymore it was something else yeah okay yeah because i had a friend who whose dad well like every i'm from a small town in new jersey and every small town has got like the one i hope nobody from the family listens the dick cop <laughs> uh-huh. the guy who just is doesn't just like harass kids more than other cops clearly enjoys like it gets off on it and yeah there's yeah. an actual literal yeah. sadistic yeah. element to it and so that was the guy and then i was actually kind of a, briefly in a rock band with his son uh-huh. and i actually found that he was weird in other ways around his house but he actually was a pretty was a pretty mellow dude like he he was the only kid i knew who was allowed to say fuck in his house oh interesting right right which is really yeah that's huge right which i now uh i'm raising my five-year-old the same way <laughs> good i mean it's just you, you know. just let, let him hang out with the, the pizza guy <laughs> what are these taboos i mean yeah he picked it up there and uh yeah 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 he learned shit down at the skate park and i mean i'm right. only, i'm only one man i no. can't I'm, I'm i'm here to support him on his journey you Sweet. know i'm not here to <laughs> to kind of put anything on him. Hey, everybody. Sorry to do this, but I'm quickly interrupting the show to remind everybody to please go fill out this survey for me. Survey.libsyn.com slash Tully Show. That is survey.libsyn.com slash Tully Show. It's going to be long. It's going to be boring, but I really, really would appreciate it. And um, as my gift to you, if you do that, the next time you see me, you can point out one person you want to be rid of in your life, and I will personally murder them for you. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, survey.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com slash Tully Show. Thank you. You are, uh, you're in a long, long-term relationship? Yeah, yeah. Like soup? You yeah. got in early, like, right? Got in early. Um, and we got, we got married a couple years ago, but we had been together since college, yeah. Congratulations Thanks. on that. Yeah, yeah, children? You can do no that? No children. You want to? Maybe. I don't know. I don't I never understand that answer. Like, uh, um, what would be, what would be the? Um, I mean, the I think we're getting there. Things? I think like living in New York, we like we most of our uh, our relationship was in New York, and you just like kind of get stunted in like a fake, like a Arrested Development sort of thing. So like, we're you just live in like essentially a dorm mm-hmm. your whole twenties. So it yeah. just seems insane to bring a like, a human being into that world. And, I, you know, I've lived out here for a few years, and, like, we're looking at houses and stuff. And then it's like, okay, yeah, that seems like a natural progression. So maybe I'm leaning towards yes, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of parks out here. It's kind yeah, of, it, lends, it lends itself to it. Raising yeah. children in New York is uh, is barbarous unless you have um, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, you just you're just raising kind of a feral animal. Like you, you know, it's like a it's like an outdoor cat. Like yeah. you can kind of keep it together <laughs> in the house, but then you just like let them go into the city. They go through a phase where they, and I imagine this would be the same issue with raising kids in San Francisco. They go through a phase where they want to greet strangers, mm-hmm. and the strangers in New York and San Francisco are like particularly <laughs> strange. Yeah. And I was just yeah. so happy that I never had to to negotiate that, right? Or the period of time where they pick things off the ground and stick them in their mouth. Because yeah. again, I mean, oh that my is God. I know. I was just there. I was just there a couple of days ago, and then you're on the subway, and you just, I didn't. I just like didn't want to. I wish I could just like levitate. Like I didn't want my feet to touch. Any, I didn't want to touch a single thing, just because I there's everything's covered in. Slime, like actual slime. Yes, it is. And so to have a kid just like licking a subway pole. Dude, dude. Yeah. I, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I brought him on there and I had to hold him. He was, like, he was <laughs> desperately <laughs> set his tongue out. It's just like, well, how can I tongue yeah, something exactly. here? Yeah, because yeah, when right. I li- lived there, I mean, I would, I was like the germ. I'm not a germaphobe, but it just, like, I couldn't believe other people were touching things on the subway. It's, it's unreal. Like, you're out of your goddamn yeah. mind to touch anything. Uh, we've all had that experience. I, I'm sure you have. I had the experience of where the dude, uh, the, the the barely clothed man covered in sores, pretty much like a like a, like a, like a New Testament level mm-hmm. leper, yeah. is dry humping mm-hmm. the pole. Sure. And then gets off. And then somebody gets on and just gets on that pole, or like, yeah, the, he gets off, and then like, there's a breakdancing crew that's like, <laughs> <laughs> like doing three sixties off the pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so I, I would always like, you know, like pull my sleeve up over my hand. I know. And... I always like, I always, um, dreaded the spring, even though it's like one of the best times of year in New York. But, but you, you, you the gloves are 
you can't wear gloves anymore. Yeah. It's like I used to love not uh, the the gloves were a real protective thing. For yeah, me. we got to bring those back. I mean, if somebody starts that in New York, mm-hmm. like Tina Fey could make those could oh, make yeah. those fly. I if mean, she wanted to. They're like I used to take the N train and there whenever we got to Queensboro Plaza, there would be all these tiny Asian women who would come in with straight up like uh surgical masks and like rubber gloves and they looked crazy but I was like they're smarter than everyone else on this bus they're yeah, crushing right. it no it's funny cuz i feel like people have this um when those women are obviously doing it as a preventative thing but uh, my wife is japanese and i've been in japan and stuff and it's really not uncommon to see somebody with like the surgical the mask SARS on mask, yeah. yeah and the reason why they're doing it is because they are sick Oh, and, and they're 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 not they don't want they other are so people. considerate that's so, man that's about, so see, not see, new york see, yeah and you didn't you didn't know that that's yeah. the funny thing is that's yeah. typically if a group of them get on doing it every day then that's their own crazy trip sure but in it, typically it's because they have something God, that they don't so thoughtful. want that's to so spread nice. to people and isn't it funny that our knee-jerk reaction when we see one of those people is to think that they're like the right. the, the, the untouchable right when in reality it's she's, it's, it's yeah, all of us she's just trying to help me she's the only person healthy. who gives a half yeah. a shit about you <laughs> uh you wrote on the Kroll show yeah the whole time um technically yeah but like the the, the last year i was only there for like a few weeks because of scheduling oh stuff. okay okay but yeah yeah how but, did you get started with the with the whole writing thing where did your career come from i moved to new york after college and uh with the plan to do stand-up. That's and, what you were thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people from my college, Emerson College, come out here to L.A. Uh, Where's Emerson? Uh, it's in Boston. Okay. But it's like a it's like a show-busy type school, weirdly. Okay. And, um, How'd your parents feel about you going to something like that? Uh, you know, they've been confused by my ambitions since high school. My high school had an improv comedy team, so I've been like... Oh, wow, high school improv. Yeah. Imagine imagine college improv. Now imagine high school that's improv. Where the, that's yeah. where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it at least got me thinking, like, oh, I could maybe do this for real. And, um, you know, I moved to New York, and uh, it's pretty crazy. My mom's a judge. My dad's a, this lawyer, and they, they, they never really pressured me to go to law school or anything but there was some like unease and confusion until until like I got a half hour special and started writing for Parks and Rec and then they're like okay I think he figured this out because in New York particularly like you don't like the big advancements in one's career sound insane you know you're like I I finally I'm on the bill of this show that's in the back of a uh like a burlesque bar that, and, that, you know, and, and, that's, and that's 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 making it. That's making it. And when you're 24, you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this show. This is this is huge for me. And you're you know your parents are so concerned. Yeah. No. I I, I had a, a shitty writing job on radio in New York, and then that fizzled out as shows are wont to do. And I was just like, okay. So looking around the landscape here, uh, I do not believe Conan O'Brien is looking to hire me, <laughs> yeah. and I do not believe the Daily Show. I'm pretty sure they've they've got all the writers that they yeah. need. And uh, I, I don't think I can get in at Letterman. And there we go. There was all well, that's yeah. there was all of the writing. I know New York is New rough, York. man. So yeah. yeah, and it never and like I was so naive, like that. I only cared about stand up, so it never even crossed my mind. Like I didn't. I wasn't like angling for. I was just honestly just trying to get paid doing stand up. Yeah. And then um, after a few years, I got asked to come in and pitch story ideas for this Adult Swim show called Delocated. Yes, I watched that. Yeah, yeah which was one of, was like my favorite show at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was psyched, and I came in with like probably too many pitches. You know what I mean? I was just like way over eager and had no experience, and just was like talking over people and stuff, just because like I was so psyched. And then from that, they hired me to write an episode, which I you know, and I just had to learn how to do that. But that show. The the first episode I wrote, like John Glazer just gave me the like this insanely detailed uh, outline that I just kind of transcribed into screenplay format, and I added maybe like two or three jokes, and they're like, okay, cool, great job, and then they called me back, and I wrote another one, I wrote another one, and then each time I wrote an episode, the outline became less and less detailed, so that by the time I wrote the last thing, like everyone was so busy with other stuff that they were like, you know, just come up with your own B story. If it works, we'll keep it. If not, we'll, <laughs> we'll work. It was just like, I and it wasn't like a like what I'm used to now. Like I. 
the the show was like so uh like low budget and you know scrappy like yeah that, for people like, who don't know the the, the the basic premise is the guy who's in the witness relocation witness uh, protection program yeah yeah right that's right and uh so he wears a ski mask at all times and he has the voice right it's a it's a fake reality show yeah it's this guy who's like totally just depraved and hungry for fame but and he's the star of a reality show but he's in the witness protection program so he can't reveal his identity so he's got a ski mask and a <laughs> voice modulator the whole it's so funny yeah it's, i enjoy you it. should check it out if you've never seen it it's the best um yeah, so I, I did that, and then uh, Kroll got this show on Comedy Central, and we had been doing stand-up for years, and he was like, uh, "Like if this show happens, you'll definitely write for it, and then uh, came out to L.A. for a few months and worked on that, and it was the best. And then right after that, I interviewed for Parks and Rec, um, and it was a you know, strange interview where they just – because uh, I, I went to college, I was, I was friends with um, Harris Whittles, who was writing for that show, and it just seemed like the whole meeting was just, they wanted dirt on Harris. Like, the whole meeting was just, like, them asking me for, like, embarrassing stories about Why? Harris. Because they, I, that, who knows? You know, they just wanted to make fun of him or whatever. I mean, and, do you really think that that was their sole, their, 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 their alternative? Well, they, had, they had clearly read my stuff, yeah. like, because I, I had that, by that point, hadn't learned that if you get a meeting like that, that means they've already read your stuff and think you're funny. So like those meetings are very casual cause they just want to see if you're like a psycho or mm-hmm. not. Like, cause you're, it's really just to see if you can hang without annoying people. Cause the, so much of the job is like, you see, you hang out with those people in the writer's room more than your family. You're there for 10, 12 hours a day. So if you're annoying, you're not going to get hired. Right? right. So, so whatever didn't have, you know, didn't, have what well, I came back to New York and then two or two months went by and then they called and said um we started on Monday and I had to fly out so did you give up the dirt yeah I mean I you know it was I did but <laughs> but he was you a, don't need to repeat it here no, no no but he was a person that like you know he he lent himself to be a little ridiculed you know gotcha uh so yeah no it was it was fun and um yeah, we ended up being co-workers at Parks and Rec it was crazy um, the Kroll Show, I feel like, I don't know how well it did. I'm under the impression it was not a humongous hit show. I know it wasn't canceled. It totally made sense to wrap it up in season yeah. three. I'm glad they wrapped it up in Me season too. three. They would have been beating a dead horse for sure. Well, it wasn't going to be a dead horse. Like, I, Kroll called me when he, we were trying to figure, he was trying to figure out, like, should we do another season? Because it was kind of on the table, but we had wrapped everything up. Mm-hmm. So then the phone call started turning into, like, trying to come up with new characters and i was like i don't know if we want I, like you know what i mean it's just like not that we couldn't do it but i was like that's a lot of work to just like start from scratch at season four and like just introduce like a whole new slate of characters and and, and worlds yeah you know? i feel like that show is bound to um be become more of a thing yeah, uh, and, and, and I know from your perspective, I'm sure you meet people all the time who tell you how great it is. I I I feel like it was better than a lot of the shows that were on Comedy Central around the same time. I wouldn't I, disagree. I mean, and I think I have a pretty good sense of there's some stuff that's awesome, but you just go, okay, well, the a, a mass audience could never get into this. People could totally get into that. It was essentially a parody of reality TV. Yeah, Everybody it knows was. What the fucking joke is. But the thing, the thing that I think maybe made it hard, just for Comedy Central and like the way Comedy Central um, releases stuff or the way Comedy Central stuff exists online is that we were very kind of ambitious about like cross pollinating all the sketches and like we, the sketches had arcs throughout the season. So it wasn't like, you know, like key and peel an amazing show. One of my favorite sketch shows of all time, but like these are singular sketches. You could just pop in at any point. Right. So, or, or the recurring sketches, but you like know those characters, you kind of know the game. Whereas like, uh, you actually saw the like Caesar toilet baby character like grow up and like get, fall in love, and it was just like you know, and not I was not, rooting for him. Romantically. Yeah, me too. He was one of my favorite characters. Um, not that that's better, but we were doing an entirely different thing. That for Comedy Central, like for the website, a two minute pop of this sketch we wrote in the mid. If you're in the middle of the narrative, you have no idea the hell's going on you know liz from publicity is dating caesar the toilet baby how are you gonna make a viral video I, yeah you that? can't that's not like a, a a viral video exactly right which i guess is the name but of the game i kind of you know at the time i was like well, i think this i 
maybe I'm wrong, but I while we were shooting it, I was like, I think this will be the show that like a 14 year old is smoking weed and like this is gonna be the show that is gonna make kids want to like write comedy. I think. Yeah, you know? I I agree with that. I, I enjoyed it immensely. I, I was I liked it so much that I got super excited the time uh, my wife and I were texting under the table. We had lunch next to is it Doctor Armand his his, oh, yeah. his wife yeah <laughs> yeah just yeah. we're like oh my god that's fucking her I that's, can't believe she's uh, Tess Buzard I can't believe she's a real person yeah you should follow her on Twitter she's what's a, she what's she all about she's just you know she she's just is uh, she like that. I mean, she's yeah, yeah. yeah. I, she's she's Tess Because I got the impression that yeah, everybody else was was cast for their ability to become a different person, and she was cast for her yeah. ability no, to she, be yeah, she to be herself. She was good at what she did. I'll say that. Actually, there's a very funny photo when we recorded uh, the Doctor Armand song that she did. The song, oh, yeah, yeah, um, about how much she loves Doctor Armand. Um, I mean, we went we went to a recording studio. And um, there's a photo of me like kind of standing behind her as she's recording her verse. And I have the biggest like I'm my, my coworker Sarah was like, I've never seen a, you smile this big like because I, like, I couldn't keep it together. And so, yeah, she rules. Um, you do not have a podcast. I do not. No. What's up with that? <laughs> I. I don't. I just don't. I try. I, yeah. I I started a Kickstarter a few years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, and this is another the the high concept sorts of. Yeah, it wasn't really high. Con- we were at a party, and yeah. I, I was just like, "You would have to pay me a million dollars to do a podcast." Well, that's not true. It was. That's that's. So I started a Kickstarter that it was called the Million Dollar Podcast, <laughs> uh-huh. and I said, "If you if I make a million dollars, I will do a podcast." Uh huh. You got very close got like 40 grand or so <laughs> it's not bad it's pretty respectable <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at that because it's been closed for a couple of years yeah. uh, the dream is officially over but it was a pretty high number for the number of donors yeah that there were which implies to me that there was somebody who was like i will pay fifteen thousand american dollars mm-hmm. for joe mandy to do this yeah. which i'm assuming was maybe it was a super fan who you know had to dip into the retirement fund right more likely was in it you know an insane rich person or I know an insane rich person who also knew that if it didn't hit the benchmark, they would get their money back, which is how Kickstarter works. Right. Also, I mean, I think I might have raised more money. There was a there was like a week long period in the middle where they canceled my Kickstarter because they said it didn't fit their uh, requirements. Yeah. What? And then what I are call, their what are their requirements? I for, I don't know. They have a lot of requirements for like what's a what, what makes a like. A, like a a real Kickstarter, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine like all the dumb shit you've seen on Kickstarter. And then they said that my million dollar podcast idea didn't fulfill what quantified as like a, a real uh, Kickstarter, like a legit Kickstarter. And then the thing they said was that like, I'm not providing any like goods or services. And I was like, I'm literally going to do a podcast. That's not true. So then I was like, the only reason you're doing this is because I'm Jewish. And then like, just played the, played that card immediately and started saying that they were anti-Semitic. And then I think they, I freaked the, them out so much that they like put it back on because they didn't want to like, oh, good do. For you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, yeah, insincerely said that they were anti-Semitic. You are a fairly skilled, uh, uh, internet, uh, provocateur, mm-hmm. huh? It's hard for me to get a gauge on, you know, it's always interesting to know how many Twitter followers a person has. You have yeah. you have one million. I have a million. Thanks to how much did you lay out for them? I paid? Yeah. Like around four or five hundred bucks. I probably purchased around eight hundred and fifty thousand of them. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well that was the yeah. question I really wanted yeah, to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but you're you're uh you're getting you you, you get traction with how would you describe what you do? I notice you a lot of you just retweet a lot of things that I, uh, political things that I'm assuming you do not agree with. Yeah, I, I without comment. Yeah, I usually post things without commentary, hoping that if you follow me and you see that I'm tweeting it, that you know that what is being retweeted is so absurd that no commentary is needed. You know what I'm saying? Right. What do you see as the role of comedy in the political discourse now? Because I'm, frankly, I'm starting to get angry. Me too. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, like well, I, I have the, the answer. The, the partial answer is it's not what everybody's doing. No, I'm it's pretty not. Sure, it's not. And like I have friends who write for Veep, mm-hmm. and they just started 
writing the next season a couple of days ago and it's like well how do you even like we're beyond parody you know what i mean like yeah. he d- he's doing things in real life that if it were on a tv show or a movie you'd be like well that's absurd that's hack like you that would that could never happen you yeah, know? yeah you've pushed even for satire you've pushed this too yeah far. so that i think that's part of the problem is that like humor is often uh it's hard to like talk about comedy intellectually but like it is like you're heightening things, you're escalating things to an absurd yeah. point to to make some kind of uh, remark about society. But when like things are already heightened to a, a yeah. thousand, like you can't. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're right. And then like I think people, a lot of smart comics, feel that frustration and are just kind of lashing out or or doing things without much like nuance or thought. It's just like you know a lot of like just rage, and it's like or mm-hmm. or just lazy commentary i think everyone's a fucking like msnbc talking head at this point like there's no yeah. like i don't know it's it's hard and 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 for me it's like finding i i get some relief after of of like going reading kind of like i have a twitter well you know how you can make lists no you can make lists so you don't actually have to follow people you can make lists of an account and you can kind of read people whatever so i have a list of what i call trump idiots and I just go through it a couple times a day, and like, oh, uh, so it's not in your per, it's not in your t- timeline. You can just go see. It I you yeah, want I to. can choose to like jump into that swamp. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. It's not like effect, I'm not like getting bombarded with it. Oh, in that's, real that's time. nice because yeah. I, I I don't want to name names. Some of them are people that I know, but there's there's some comedians who um who I uh, like respect their uh-huh. opinion, and then there's some that I put a little bit more in like the dance monkey sure <laughs> category. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and they're both re- and there's like three people who i like david corn is that a human being yeah. like i just see fucking yeah. david corn joanne reed I, endless, she's in the mix endless and and, and and like what are what are we what does anybody think that they are accomplishing at this point i don't know it's hard i mean like i so, so, would be we would be better off if we all just removed twitter from our lives i feel like that's becoming a movement yeah um uh ari shafir is prominently associated with it but sure i, I, I watched like... tom sharpling do it um two nights ago Wait, he, did, like, did he, he, he like he's he, like i'm getting rid of my twitter wow uh, on on the air it was amazing it's crazy that it's gotten to a point where that's something that you can do that people will be like wait this guy's shut up shut up this guy's about to delete his twitter <laughs> yeah like yeah. we've all got a problem i'm assuming you do as well oh it's a uh, total sickness it's toxic and yeah then, yeah i'm like i'm totally sort of unfortunately kind of the first thing i look at when i wake up and mm-hmm. the last thing i see before i go to bed you know because yeah. and it's news it's not like you know i'm not looking at that's not true I, or i'm looking at like the hood clips instagram account to like cheer me up but like yeah it, it's it's a sickness and it's his main outlet it's the president's main outlet so it's like yeah he knows he's in everyone's head and he like has a like sick fascination with like keeping that having holding sure. that over everyone's head right well twitter i think just this week or last week um reported that they had no subscriber growth they're not losing people but they're not gaining people yeah it, they would be were it not for donald trump say what you will about the man and his presidency mm-hmm. i do believe he has single-handedly made twitter relevant for an extra 18 to 24 months. i think you're right yeah you know yeah and yeah it's uh like it's it's this insane it's a it's a website where mm-hmm. the president like holds the yeah. country hostage. Well, and I believe he is now using the liberal outrage totally against itself um because I, I firmly believe like the whole transgender military thing mm-hmm. was was carefully selected as the sort of thing is like what what is something that liberals will absolutely go to bat for in the most major way possible yeah. that will be totally alienating to rust belt americans right i think i think that's true i think he ha- he's always sort of had that card and he's <laughs> waiting to play it he also is a textbook bully so he's just finding like the most vulnerable misunderstood group of people how do you mean he's ex- a textbook bully he's a bully he I'm not saying I disagree with you. Just what do you mean by that? He he finds people who are weaker than him mm-hmm. 
and exploits that weakness and and, and yeah, or or literally grabs their vaginas. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a he's a bully. <laughs> kind of with I, I don't want to argue about this. I'm kind of with Chappelle on the whole it, there was implied consent in the Access Hollywood thing. What I mean, okay, I there's no like he walked in on teenagers in his beauty pageants mm-hmm. because he had that power. That's okay. like he's a disgusting pig. Totally to- and then the other guy um who was in college with uh Donnie Jr. Uh-huh. Said he saw him slap him to the oh, ground yeah. for wearing a yeah. uh, wearing a baseball right. jersey to a baseball right. game, right? And he's you know he doesn't have to be like eight like these are you can argue you know the the facts of like the access Hollywood, but intellectually yes. he's a bully. Like right. he okay, find yeah. like that's the whole like Mika Brzezinski like talking about her her facelift. It's like it, he finds these like weaknesses in people and exploits them because he knows he has like power over them or he, he you know he has an advantage he's not like i don't think he's like a smart tactician i think he just can figure out well what do i have over this person and how can i exploit it so we've all got to get off twitter but it's actually not practical for us to get off twitter because i find more and more i was a cigarette smoker for mm-hmm. years and the the similarities are are pretty I, stunning. I uh, I totally get that. When you did you ever smoke cigarettes? No, but I know yeah. I know what you're saying. When yeah. um uh when you start to say, hey man, it's like the weekend. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't really need to see what David Corn has mm-hmm. tweeted in the last mm-hmm. hour because I don't even fucking follow the guy. And and somebody from Upright Citizens Brigade is telling me about right. it. Hey, I just finished brunch. We're waiting for the we're waiting for the bill. I mean, I'll just reach into my pocket. No, I know. And, and, and that is, that reach, that pocket reach that's, is the fucking identical the, yeah. cigarette cigarette reach. But Pleasure here's the thing. center. But here's the thing. You can quit cigarettes and your life does, I mean, maybe drinking becomes a little bit less, uh, there's less uh, uh, camaraderie because right. you're not going outside for smokes with people. Right. And maybe if you're a waiter, you can't. That's a great thing. Waiters can just be like, yeah, I know this is my job, but the, here's the thing. I'm also a drug addict, so right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave work for five to 10 minutes once or twice an hour and you just get away with that but for the most part you give up smoking nothing changes if you're not going to go whole hog and give up twitter then is it possible i guess we're all going to find this out because i think we're all kind of coming to the same conclusion now is it possible to responsibly use twitter i don't know i mean i i think that's i think that's a really good comparison but the thing that smoking doesn't do is like you don't smoke a cigarette or you don't keep a pack of cigarettes on you so you know, like, exactly when an NBA trade goes down. You know, like, there are certain things about Twitter that are so, like, deeply enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, I love knowing the moment an NBA trade happens. I know. And Woj bombs. Woj bombs. Like, I live for that. And I, I live know. for, like, and New York Times, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, news breaking. Uh, and it's all via Twitter, right? So, like, these are, like, things that, like, are exciting pleasurable kind of pure things yeah, l- that twitter l- l- provides l- but yeah. like in a sea of darkness there's these like a couple things that are like kind of yeah. nice you right know? i don't know how we could reverse it it seems yeah. sort of like we're in a new reality yeah and not a very good one but luckily we can all take refuge from that reality in your brand new stand-up special Hell yeah see how i did that yeah, i love that, transition. <laughs> that was, uh, joe mandy thank you so much hey thank you i hope you win all those awards that you are uh that you are gunning for yeah for your, too. Uh, your special which is available now on netflix you are at joe mandy joined the million who already followed yeah, him there my, my army <laughs> if you are still listening to this thanks and I'm going to assume you don't mind me uh, going through this whole survey thing a third time since you stuck it out to the bitter end. Survey.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com slash Tully Show. If you could go there, if you could fill out the survey, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Survey.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com slash Tully Show. And uh, hopefully I won't be asking you to do anything else for me anytime soon. <laughs>